Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to Wellness Inc. I'm Dr. Mike Moreno, taking a deep dive into all things wellness after over 25 years of practicing medicine. I'm fascinated with anything and everything that can help you feel better, live healthier, and become the best you possible. I'll be interviewing the most cutting edge experts in the field of wellness and exploring new innovative technologies to help you live your best life. At the end of each episode, I'll give you my weekly RX, my top tips for you to use right away. Remember to subscribe for free, rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. So we are fortunate and I'm really excited selfishly because I have had some musculoskeletal issues to say the least as of late. There's so many, so many directions we can go with this. You know, sports is a huge part of our culture, of our community. When you look at, you know, the ever-growing population of sports, in particular young athletes, you think of injuries, you think of pain, you think of inflammation, you think of trauma, and it's surrounding us. And it seems to be growing at least a lot more than when I was a kid. We are fortunate to bring in an expert who can help us understand sports injuries and how to heal our spine. Our guest today has an experience specializing as a sports medicine chiropractic physician for over 30 years. From volunteering at high school football and local sporting events for decades to, listen to this, co-chair of the medical board for the United States Olympic weightlifting team. So heavy duty stuff. He's treated a wide variety of sports related injuries. He founded the Institute for Spine and Sports Care in Santa Monica in 2006 and has enjoyed practicing ever since. This guy knows his stuff. He knows the body and how it heals. And I'm thrilled to have Dr. Brendan Murray here today. Dr. Murray, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate being here. I really do appreciate it. I'm excited to, to have these conversations with you. First of all, I want to say thank you for your field because I think chiropractic medicine, it, I don't know where we would be without it, quite honestly. And what makes me more angry than anything is when people be like, well, you're a doctor, you don't believe in chiropractic. So I'm like, hold on a second. You're crazy because I go to one regularly. And I will tell you, it has changed my life, and I mean that. So thank you for your field and your efforts and all of the accolades that you've had. I, it's amazing. What drove you into chiropractic medicine to begin with? Um, actually, injuries. So I had a fairly significant injury when I was uh, playing sports growing up. Um, I was uh, playing soccer, had a, a bad ankle injury. I had uh, fracture dislocations, had to have it repaired. Um, they basically told me at the time that, um, because of the type of injury I had, I was probably going to barely be able to ever run again. I was going to, be, and I was going to always have a limp. Oh. Um, and so I was playing high level sports at that time. And that was kind of devastating. Um, to the credit of the surgeon did a great job, repaired me. I worked my tail off with a great physical therapist, just did a fantastic job with me. And six months later, I was on the field playing again. I mean, that's amazing. And, and, you know, we, we see sports and it's, it's so many injuries. I mean, kids are being pushed to such a high level of expectation and in terms of performance in sports. So I, I would imagine, and I know you've been doing this a long, long time, decades, you must have seen sort of an evolution of what your, the field has done say 30 years ago to now in terms of not just sports, but everything. What have you noticed or what's been sort of eye raising to you about this whole transition? Uh, the year round sport has been the most transitional thing for me. Um, we've seen an increase in catastrophic injuries in young athletes as a result of uh, 
you know, sports selective. So I just they use one sport. They play one sport all year round. Um, no more cross training really going on or multiple uh, sports being played. Um, and then the the heavy competition that these kids play. So there's no development anymore. It really goes into these kids go from tournament to tournament to tournament without a lot of skill development when they're going through periods of growth, when they need more skill development. Yeah. And it's, there's such a huge psychological component to this too. I think, you know, when you look at just, there is, there are injuries, obviously, as you unfortunately suffered and that you probably see, but then there's also just this overuse, you know, overdoing anything, it can be harmful to the body. So, do you see uh, a lot of sort of overuse as opposed to injuries or both? Or what would you say ha has sort of matriculated in terms of those things? Well, I think the only way you can get an injury is overuse. It, what typically happens is, is if you put more force through a joint or a structure than it can tolerate, it simply at some point breaks. And that's where every musculoskeletal injury comes from. The worry is always is what level of failure is going to occur. Now, kids and younger athletes get different injuries than adults. They're not little adults. They get completely different ones because they have open growth plates. The tissues are different. They're not as mature. So you don't have stable joints for some kids. And what happens, you start putting these kids under repetitive loads, repetitive stresses. They fatigue. They go through growth spurts. And all of us know as we went through growth, we suddenly became a little less coordinated. We weren't as moved as well as we normally would. So rule of thumb we had is if you move poorly going into a growth spurt, you're going to move even worse coming out of a growth spurt. And then we start to see these catastrophic injuries occurring. Do you see a lot more or do you see an increase in surgical rates? Sure. And that's the thing we've never seen before. And that's what we're talking about when a catastrophic. We're looking at, you know, we've have 12 year olds who are getting hip surgeries. We have 13, 15 year old um, kids getting multiple knee surgeries. And it's not that the surgeries are not warranted. It's literally because these kids are being pushed or not, not moving well enough, and it causes a failure of the tissue, and they have to go and repair these tissues. So when we see these catastrophic injuries, we're seeing Tommy John surgeries in kids. I remember, you know, I did a show for uh, a sporting event for baseball, Major League Baseball, a few years back. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, but Tommy John surgery has to do with the elbow. But it was it's amazing to see what what is being done like the level that people are going to now there's a lot of sacrifice let me ask you for a second let's kind of deviate haven't been practiced for decades as you have you have and we're going to get to this a, a, a way an approach to going through your with your patients the injuries or whomever you're treating what have you noticed in terms of the mental impact on some of these kids i mean you're talking high level athletes at high level some of these kids are still growing up mentally and physically. What have you seen in terms of that devastation in terms of the mental elements as well as the physical? Most of the kids are pretty resilient. The one thing we do find about these kids is, is they're so driven. Most of the time, they're so driven to play these sports. They want to get back to it. And they'll do things sometimes at costs that are, are not going to benefit them. They'll try to get back sooner than they should be. Or sometimes we don't do a good enough job in our fields that we we actually train them to get back on the field so they don't get re-injured right we start to see re-injury rates especially in in young females with knee injuries we're seeing three to five surgeries on a knee wow in a female in their career once they've had one wow and that that doesn't fall that the surgeon's not doing a good job literally we're these kids are going back on the field and they're still not moving well and these injuries keep happening and that's when they really get frustrated. They're like, oh my God, here I go. I have to go through another knee surgery. I have to go through another knee surgery. It's, it's heartbreaking when you see a kid come in and, and this is all stuff that's not necessary. 
is if they learn to move correctly, we don't need to have the surgeries, but the people are rushing them back. Coaches are rushing these kids back on the fields and the kid kind of gets caught between, I don't really want to do this yet, but my coach really wants me to. Um, or there's some other outside factors that are pushing them, giving them stress, and they'll do it because they want to make somebody happy. Right. And I think you see this, you know, in kids, in college, even in professional athletes, you see people and you, you wonder, and I'm sure they're doing the best thing for these players, but you wonder like, is this guy really good to go or not? There are so many things you think, how can this person just get up, go into a tent and come back out and be good to go? So you wonder, and a lot of it is the athlete themselves because they're so driven. They're so you know, competitive. They're just like, yeah, I'm good. And I think they figure out ways to manipulate whoever it is that may be sort of making that decision. And to your point, it leads to more injury, re-injury, and ultimately it could be really career-ending. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the difference is, remember, when you're dealing with a professional athlete, that's a matured athlete for the most part. You know, that's an athlete who's adaptively changed every level, and they keep getting better. So college athletes, same thing. They've adaptively gotten stronger and stronger and stronger, so they can withstand more stress on these joints. You have a young athlete who's playing as many games as some of these, these college or pros are doing, and they're breaking down. They've not built up this adaptational stress that they can tolerate. So these tissues are breaking down. You're seeing a whole different thing. So you can have a, a professional athlete or a college athlete who can take a, you know, some type of injury or blow and they can bounce back quicker because one, they're young and they're healthy, but two, they built up some stamina. They built up some strength in these joints. Because remember, as we start getting older, we, our hormones kick in, everything else, we get stronger, we become more powerful, we can tolerate more, our joints can be stabilized by these big, strong muscles. But when we're young, we don't have that hormone kicking in yet. Those muscles are not strong enough to protect the joints. Let me ask you this. So after 30 years, what would you say is the leading injury that you treat? I treat a little bit of everything. So it all depends on what we have. You know, you can go through runs where you have spine stuff, you have hip stuff, shoulders, knees, elbows. It depends on the sport, you know, and it depends on what, um, if there's any past history. Um, those are all things that kind of give us better ideas. But it, the, the blessing I've had is we get a chance to treat everything and we can see everything. Everything from, you know, the, the disc injuries or fractures to, you know, dislocations, labral tears, hip and, and shoulders to you know, meniscus injuries, ankle injuries, you, you name it, we see it at this point. You know, it's amazing. I, As I was mentioning, I, I've gone through some stuff personally with this hip condition that I have, and I'm a swimmer. So I have a lot of shoulder injuries and a lot of just overuse type things. I shouldn't say injuries, but overuse. And I'm amazed. And I, I'll tell you, like, I love going to my chiropractor because it's amazing how much better I can feel when I come out of there almost immediately. And it brings me to, to what I love your, your three treatment phase thing. I'll tell you, you know, I have, so the condition I was diagnosed with was avascular necrosis of the hips fluke thing. I'm 52. I'm a swimmer. I'm really fit. And I always have been, was having this sort of hip back pain, dealt with it for so long because I'm like, you know, I've never had an injury, never had trauma. I'm like, how could there be any sort of issue going on? So long story short, as I went through the workup, lo and behold, I get a call from my radiologist and he says, Hey, do you know about your hips? And I'm like, no, I have no idea what, what you're talking about. And it turns out I have avascular necrosis of the hips, which simply put, I don't get good blood flow to the, the, 
part of my hip that attaches, or I should say the part of my femur that attaches into the hip joint and thus result in a lot of groin pain and back pain. And I was frustrated because I was taking Motrin and Tylenol and all of this and that and doing all of the stretches that I thought, and I was just sick of it and I was miserable. And when I start seeing my chiropractor, it, it was amazing to me within a few visits, how he was able to figure this out. And my point is that so much of pain in the body, musculoskeletal, comes from the spine, at least in my experience. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? It's all body mechanics. There's no question about that. Um, and even some of the most recent research starting last year, so probably in 2018, 19, even into this year, it's being supported that we believe that most of our hip injuries, like labral tears, labral injuries, impingement syndromes, stem from dysfunctional loss of control in the low back and pelvis, and that leads to the hip injury. So if you want to get rid of our hip injuries, we go to the back. We go to the back, we change dysfunction, make it move correctly, and then take the pressure off the hip. That's becomes the that has become the new norm because now the research is actually supporting that this is the cause of these labral injuries. Yeah, with my shoulder, that's exactly what he did as well. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I'm telling him, you know, this issue with my shoulder. And I'm like, I know I didn't tear a rotator cuff. I didn't have any try. It, it, that can't be the case. And certainly it wasn't. But it, it's exactly what you just said. He goes back, back to the spine and the manipulation that he did. I was it was very distant from where the actual pain was. Yet I really, quite honestly, got better so much quicker than I thought to the point where I don't take really anything anymore. When I fall off my routine, when I don't do my homework, as I tell him, I start to get aggravations with the groin or with the shoulders, but it quickly, I just, you know, I go back to doing what he's taught me and, and I'll go in for these adjustments. I'll tell you, it's changed my life. I don't take anything anymore. Am I pain-free? No, but I think most people nowadays will say, yeah, we have a little back pain. The key is, does it affect your life? Does it really affect your ability to function, to sleep, to move, to work, to do all those things? And for me, I, I will tell you, it's been life-saving. Let me, let me go through something that I really love about your philosophy, and it's very much in alignment with my chiropractor, so it, it resonated quite a bit with me. It's this three-treatment phase, elimination of the pain, unwinding and stabilizing, and then functionally strengthening. So talk a little bit about that sort of three treatment phase and maybe a little bit of in each particular category, because I, I love this philosophy and I love this approach. Well, one of the things we've learned over the years is, is growing up, it was always the exercise, 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 get out of pain, use exercise. And it never worked for any of us. So what we've seen in the research has shown us is that pain is inhibitory. So if you have pain, whatever joint it happens to be, it, that pain actually inhibits the muscles from being able to stabilize that joint, so it can't work. So you can try to exercise through it. Problem is the pain doesn't allow the, the knee or the hip or the low back, whatever area it is, it won't work. So our focus is always get them out of pain first. If I get my athlete or my, my patient out of pain, now I can actually start to change how they function. And we do that using different modes of manipulation, uh, mobilizations to normalize the biomechanics based on that injury. Um, once we can get that, then we start to, we unwind. Basically, we start to teach them how to stabilize locally because every joint is gonna be stabilized. You know, we have, if we talk about core, core is this local stabilizers and there's global stabilizers. And the local stabilizers are gonna keep the, that neutral position through the, that joint in the neutral position all the way through. Every joint works the exact same way, whether it's a knee, a hip, a shoulder, they have deep stabilizers and they have mobilizers. 
So what we want to do is get those local groups of muscles working and then take it into a functional pattern. So if you're a swimmer, we get you back in the pool with certain mechanical changes. If you're a cyclist, we're going to get you on a bike and say that we're going to use cycling as your rehab. Right. I'm going to use swimming as your rehab. Which is a crowd pleaser, I'm sure, like these athletes. I, I know when I first had my problems with my shoulder and they said, you know, my physical therapist said, well, you're going to have to be out of the pool for like six weeks. I'm like, what? I'm like, I just went, I went nuts. And it's huge crowd pleaser too to get people out of pain. Pain is so debilitating. When I thought about how bad I hurt, I mean, every turn at night in bed, caused pain. Every rotation, sticking a pillow under my leg, under my shoulder, under my arm. It was just a, a nightmare. When you start to get good sleep, when you start to be functional, when you don't focus on the pain that you have every day, it is life-changing. And I, I just, I love that. So it's a crowd-pleasing thing. So I know you were co-chair with the medical board for the U.S. weightlifting team. So I'm curious. I'm not a weight room guy that we always joked around that swimmers hate going into the weight room because we just right. can't stand being, we're not, we're, we're like, you know, fish. We, we don't like to run. We don't like to be out on land. Stick us in the and, water and we're and good. And swimmers and water polo people are not the greatest in the gym either. I, right. I got a chance exactly. to work with USA water, water polo and they, in the gym, they were not the best athletes. In the water, ridiculous. Right, it was, that's but what it was. It was on like we land, were, no. Right, I would sleep. I would. Go, I remember even in high school when I was playing water polo and in college as well. Like I would go into the gym to lift weights, and I'd be sleeping. I hated it. I just couldn't stand it. But I, I think have the work that you've done with the U.S. weightlifting team. How can weightlifting? How does that sort of preserve the body and protect you or prevent injuries? Well, movement is movement, right? Now, what happens is, is when you start dealing with weightlifting, that's a whole different thing because that's those are, are really um, athletic movements. So if you're doing what the, in weightlifting, there's two lifts called a snatch and a clean and jerk. So those are very athletic lifts. But we, you know, even if we have an injured weightlifter, we'll use parts of those lifts to strengthen and rehab them. Gotcha. The way our, our body is designed is, is it will learn doing a slow, shorter movement, shorter range of motion fast. It'll really learn that piece. And then you can start to open that range up and you can put loads to it. And it speeds up the cortical motor learning aspect of it. Interesting. Okay. Remember, we've, heard, we've heard the term for so long of, of motor plasticity. Our fastest way of increasing motor plasticity is find a range and a load that they tolerate and then have them repeat it. And they learn it very quickly. And we start getting reorganization of the motor cortex so that they start learning faster. So we use weight training, even if it's just, you know, small five pound weights, Something just to start changing motor plasticity as fast as we can. With our weightlifters, we get them doing movements that they can tolerate and they move well with in a short range of motion and start increasing loads. We get them back really quickly using weightlifting. What we do with all our athletes, we use some version of load to speed up their healing. You know, it's funny because you hear a lot of people talk about core strength, core strength, core strength. That's like the, the buzzword. I, I will tell you, I'm a believer because I became obsessed with engaging my core constantly. And, you know, I had my my homework at, that I would be given my exercises and stretches. But even just engaging your core, even when you're sitting or even when you're standing, it's amazing to me as well. Like my shoulder used to bother me so badly that even brushing my hair or or putting a shirt on was painful. What I noticed is that when I would engage my core, and again, tell me what you think about this. Maybe it's in, I'm in my own head, but when I would engage my core, I didn't feel that shoulder as much. It, it, it's, it was almost as though engagement of the core took whatever sort of pressure or tension on my shoulder from literally not just swimming, but like putting a shirt on when you would, when I would engage my core and I still do this, 
it would really offset and take away the pain of the shoulder. I mean, what are your thoughts when you when people talk about core strength and things like that? Well, there's two things we talked about with core. Um, there's actually two levels of core. There's an inner core and an outer core. And most people don't get that. Whenever we get injured, say a spinal injury, the first thing that happens, and the research has supported this now for almost 10 years, that those deep core muscles become inhibited. And unless we reactivate those deep core muscles, we can't get stability back in the spine. Gotcha. You can do all these outer ones, and people have done them for years. We've seen people do core exercises, and the back doesn't get any better. But if you taught it correctly, sitting can be a core exercise. Like you said, if you activate the deep part of the core, that all works. Now, if you kind of think about with core, your arms and legs are attached to your torso. Right. So if that torso is stable, your arms and legs produce more power. They can do what they're supposed to do. So if you can keep that torso in neutral position, our core in neutral position, the arms and legs work off of that. Yeah, I, it's interesting because I noticed when I would swim, there would be times where I would start to feel my shoulder and I would be very cognizant of engaging my core. Yeah. And it, I, I, like I said, I, I have to admit, I, you know, people would always say, and I've worked with trainers and worked with a lot of people over the years and just in, in that I know that are friends of mine in the profession. And that whole idea, I have a completely new respect when people say your core strength, because that ability to engage and strengthen the core and take that, that pressure off other elements, like you said, your arms and legs are attached to your torso. And so when you can sort of engage that core and strengthen that core, it, it is incredible. Yeah. And the, the real important part is how you strengthen the core. So you obviously were taught correctly, but a lot of people aren't, and they do these generic core exercise and don't get the response out of it. They think, oh, core doesn't work. And it, the thing is, it really works incredibly well. It's just teaching the right way of doing core. So let me ask you this. What's, I mean, decades of, of practice, and you I, I know you stay up to date on all the latest stuff. What's coming? Are there new things, new modalities, new ideas around your profession that excite you, that make you kind of think, hey, this is interesting. I mean, is there... I mean, give us a little preview of what you're seeing. There's incredible stuff coming out of the research every day. It's it's fascinating. Like you can look at even going in towards prevention, you can start looking at like these, we hear this rash of hamstring injuries. Well, hamstring injuries are directly correlated to a particular movement pattern and what's not working correctly. Um, we now are going towards we can actually predict these injuries and be able to, if we do this right, we can actually predict it and keep them from happening by looking for certain things. Um, looking at, at how we can actually get the core, the, the core to work correctly again. So now there's, there's a type of, of way of evaluating the brain called TMS, where we can look and see where it's almost a representation in your, what we call the motor cortex, the part of your brain that everything moves from. We can, we can recognize muscles in the, the cortex and how the, if they're firing or not firing. So we can get very specific to make muscles start firing when they're supposed to, and we start fixing timing of things. So between figuring out how we can prevent injuries and actually rehab them correctly, so we know which muscles are not working and how to make them work correctly, that's where the, that's what's coming out right now. And we're doing this on a regular basis to get ahead of these injuries rather than always playing from behind. But I mean, that would be huge to have that that crystal ball, right? To to be able to kind of get ahead of it. I mean, it's huge. And we have it. That's a great thing. We have it. The research is out there. We have it. We can actually predict many of these injuries ahead of time and say, if we do these things ahead of time, we don't get the injuries. And we're trying to pass this information along. It's just 
you know, it's a hard push because you're going to make people change things they don't like. Let to me do. ask you a question. So this is always a, a, a discussion with my patients. Uh, and I, like I said, I send my patients to, to chiropractors all the time and, and some that I've had experience with. And I'm a, such a huge supporter and believer in, in what you do in your field. I can't even tell you. One of the things that comes up often with, with patients that go to a chiropractor for, for their needs and this went through my head when I was going through it is when is, you know, when am I like sort of, when should I be a little bit more aware of, they use the term, we use the term red flags, right? When is it that you, as you're working with a patient on, on, and I'm sure it varies with injury to injury, but when do you sort of say, you know, this is a time frame where it should be getting better or it's not, or, or you need to kind of look at it the next level, whether it's imaging or whatever it may be, what's your sense that, that you have there and how do you work around that process? Well, if we look at every injury, there's a mechanism behind every injury. So our first thing is diagnosis. If we diagnose the injury, we should have an idea at this point of saying, this is the injury. This is how it came about. Cause now if I, if I have a meniscus, for example, I have a good idea what caused a lateral meniscus injury, whether it's the front, middle, or back of it. The medial meniscus, I have a good idea what causes those things. And then I can sit there and look at now, diagnostically, this is what I have. Knowing this tissue, I should be able to unload it and start to see symptoms very quickly or symptom changes okay. very quickly. So it should be getting much better very quickly. So we can actually mark it out very quickly and say, this is our expectations. Our first thing we tell our patients is within this number of visits, I should, you should see this change. Gotcha. If we don't see that change, then the next step would be imaging if it's if I think there's a possible tear in there. Or is there a time where we may use medications to help, you know, decrease the pain so that we can get a handle on this? Gotcha. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep it a very short leash on the, on the patient, especially athletes, because we know we have to move them along quickly. And knowing that pain is inhibitory, we really have to get them out of pain first. And we have to know, is that tissue failed to the point where I need to get imaging and know, is it stable enough for me to do something with it? Or do I need to get it repaired? and then go back to it? Or is it just really irritated? We're gonna use medication to bring the irritation down and then we're off the meds and fixing all the rest of it. So it's a really short leash we keep people on. So I need to see change. And I typically tell my patients within three to four visits, I wanna see a 50% improvement in their symptoms. That's a good, that's that that's a, a really good sort of threshold. And I'll tell you, that's exactly what happened to me. I It, it, it wasn't like it took, you know, months. It was really a few visits. I was going twice a week for about two. And on the third week, I felt considerably better. My, uh, my quality of life for sleep and energy. I mean, being in pain is depressing. It, it really drags you down. You know, when you think of all of these people and you, I mean, we can go on and on about the opioid crisis and all of these things that people that take pain, that being in pain is is miserable when you can't sleep when you can't function when you can't work it's a miserable thing so i will tell you the relief that that you have when you start to get better is priceless so i have a burning question i have to ask you about this do you do cupping in your office um we'll do versions of cupping so sometimes with our soft tissue mobilization we'll do sometimes what's called moving cupping we'll do static cupping and the whole purpose is again we're trying to change what the muscle is doing, how the muscle is doing it, and just trying to get some change. You can do it with, with instrument assisted. So we can do it with, with you know, instrument assisted type of movements. We can do it with, with hands. We can do it with vibratory tools. So it really is based on whatever we feel like we want to do with it. But we've done a little bit of everything with it because um, it's really effective. But we look at if we're trying to change the muscle length or trying to change how that muscle is functioning, 
We're just using those tools to help it. So they're all just additional tools for to get to an end result. I remember it was mostly in basketball, I think is where I first started seeing these athletes with like the spots on their on their backs. I'm like, what on earth is, I mean, I had no idea. This was a few years ago. I don't know when they started really doing that. Of course, anytime I see something like that, I start to read about it and research it a little bit and talk to my friends and my colleagues and say, hey, what do you know about this, that, and the other? And uh, I was like, ah, very suspect. And so when I was with my chiropractor and he wanted to do this, I thought, okay, here we go. And the idea was sort of having to do with the healing and blood flow. I, what's the process of that exactly? Well, it all depends on how you want to use the cupping. So there's traditional Chinese cupping, which I don't do that, but they're going to have a different outcome. They're looking to change. They have different diagnostic qualities. So they're doing, changing things that, not, that, I'm, that I'm doing. If I'm doing it um, for cupping, we're trying to change the myofascial attachments. Gotcha. And how the, that muscle skin interface starts to work. And you're actually trying to change that. And, and as it becomes more restrictive, um, the muscle can't work the way it's supposed to. We've all had soft tissue done. And so if it's done correctly with a, a light enough touch, we can actually open those muscles up and get those muscles to elongate and get rid of some of the fascial attachments or re, re, the fascial restrictions. And we're using the cupping just to do that. That's what we'll do in our office. So it's not a traditional trying to change blood flow so much as actually we're trying to change length and how the, the fascial attachment is going on to the muscle itself. What I love about the whole world of chiropractic medicine is that when you look at musculoskeletal and a lot, I'm a primary care guy, so I deal with tons of musculoskeletal stuff all of, all the time. And I, you know, I end up sending a lot of them to you because, you know, or, or chiropractors in my area, because I know my limitations and I know, you know, you have to have that idea. Is this an injury where you need to look towards imaging or red flags or, you know, there's so much that comes from the history from a patient, but Gosh, your your field is just evolving so quickly. There's, I mean, research and so many new things. It's got to be exciting for you when you look at, you know, how you practice now compared to how you practiced 25 or 30 years ago. I mean, what's it like to kind of reflect and think about that? Oh, I mean, what we knew 25, 30 years ago when I first came into practice is is ridiculous. And now, you know, what's what's become evident is that Every musculoskeletal injury comes because, again, like we talked about, force exceeds what the load, will, what the tissue will tolerate. So somehow that tissue or that joint will change positions because of the injury. So every musculoskeletal injury now we all know that there's a mechanical part to it. So if you don't change the mechanics, it keeps coming back. We've all had things. We most of us have broken things. I broke a lot of things growing up. Right. But you get a cast on, they put it back together, and it heals in that position. If you don't get it casted or whatever, then it kind of heals off. Well, the musculoskeletal system is no different. If a joint is moving abnormally because of an injury, unless you change it back, it's not going to it's not going to fix itself. The pain may go away, but the joint is going to continue to function, but in a poor in a, in a poor position. Therefore, it actually starts to erode, and that's what we're starting to see is these arthritic changes. We're seeing these hip replacements and knee replacements going on. Wonderful surgeries, but they don't have to be. If we can get ahead of it and actually normalize joint motions, we don't get arthritic changes. Right. That's, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I love what you were saying early about, you know, these new ways of getting ahead of things to prevent injuries. Everything's about prevention. You know, in primary care, we say the same thing. You know, if we can prevent these heart attacks, if we can prevent strokes, if we can prevent cardiovascular problems through lifestyle interventions, whether it's diet or exercise, you know, weight management, smoking avoidance, whatever it may be, it's a lot easier to take care and cost effective to take care of a healthy person 
than it is a sick person. And, you know, I have a very, I have a relationship with my patients where I tell them, you and I are partners and there are going to be things you're going to ask of me. And there are going to be things I'm going to ask of you. When you're down and out, you need medicine, you need an x-ray, you need some guidance. I'm going to be there for you and I'm going to be there to help you get through what you need. But there are things I'm going to need from you. I'm going to need you to move. I'm going to need you to take care of your body physically, nutritionally. All of these things are important. But I, I think the body is magical to me. When you look at how it works, when you look at the organ systems and everything, how it functions in unison for decades, I mean, in, in some cases, 80, 90, 100 plus years, it's fascinating. It's fascinating that it just happens. It, it, it's what drew me to medicine. And I would imagine probably drew you into medicine as well. And I will just tell you, we are fortunate to have chiropractors and I, I can't, I can speak volumes of, of my chiropractor. He's just been fantastic. He and his partner both have done work with me. So again, as I said at the beginning, I have to thank you, Dr. Murray, for, for your field and for your expertise and the work you do, because it's made such a change in my life. And I, I cannot really even express to you the gratitude that I have. Well, it's been a pleasure for me to do this. And the fun thing is, is the more I learn, the less I know, because <laughs> I learn so much more about the body every single day. Like you said, it's, it's magical. The amount of things, the things it can do to repair itself and to keep going is it's mind boggling. I can't even understand <laughs> yes. it sometimes. And the more I understand of it, the less I go, how does this really happen? Right. This has been going on for centuries before I ever learned this. It's not right. like I just, I just got to learn. I got the chance to learn it now, but it's been going on for centuries. Right. How has this happened? Yeah, it's, it, it's the most fascinating thing in the world. It, it really is. Listen, I think we're going to have to drag you on for a part two, maybe part three, because I got loads of questions. But I, I have to thank you again for spending time, for educating me, for making me feel better, your entire community. And then the work you guys do in your field of medicine is we couldn't get along without it, quite honestly. Where do I send our listeners to find you? Where can we find you? You can find me at our, our office is called the Institute for Spine and Sports Care or Dr. Brendan Murray. Either one of those, I'm on Instagram, I'm on the, via Dr. Brendan Murray or Institute for Spine and Sports Care. Uh, so we're all over the place. We have our websites, um, Instagram. So look us up, we'll, you can find us. Dr. Murray, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time and educating us today. I really, really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I'm very excited to be able to do that. Weekly RX. Again, I want to thank Dr. Murray because uh, it's, I can go on and on about much how much happier I am not being in pain all the time. I want to get to the uh, weekly RX. Now, I'm going to borrow something from the good doctor because uh, I loved it. And as I was kind of reading about Dr. Murray and his philosophy and his practice and all his accolades and achievements, I love the three treatment phase, eliminating pain, unwinding and stabilizing, and functionally straightening. I mean, these are the things when you give the body what it needs from nutrition to movement and activity, the good doctor talks so much about all these surgeries and all these wonderful things that we do. But if you don't get the body back in check, if you don't get the body moving the right way, you can still end up with the best surgery and having chronic problems. So that's it, guys. Stay active, move, reach out to chiropractors because I will tell you, they've made a difference in my life. They make differences in millions of people's life. 
Thank you so much for spending some time with us. That's it for today. Don't forget to subscribe for free download and listen to Wellness Inc. with me, Dr. Mike Moreno on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and follow me on social media at 17 Day Diet. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. The Wellness Inc. with Dr. Mike Moreno podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional. Thank you.